0: It's a special day here on Booth One. You're a one stop shop for the best in the world of performing arts and popular culture. Here to uh, celebrate the art of lively conversation, and you've tuned in to our very first ever Skype interview show. Roscoe and I are a little nervous about the technology, so to ease our anxiety, we have an audio consultant and technical engineer extraordinaire, Mr. John Lisecki, in the house today. Hey, John, say hi. He's working hard over there at the uh, Skype computer. I don't really know quite what he does, but he's making it all work. Our Skype guest uh, also makes us a little nervous because mostly we're a bit intimidated by his achievements. We welcome all the way from Los Angeles, writer, producer Jay Martell to the booth today. Hey, Jay, how are you? Hey, guys, how's it going? Woohoo! We have sound. Wow. Well, listen. First off, I had to get something off my chest. Okay, Roscoe. Yeah.
1: Cubs win!
2: Oh
0: Cubs
3: my win! God.
0: <laughs> I, I know you're out in California. Was there was there Cubs fever out there?
3: Yeah, there was. I mean, I'm working right now with a bunch of people from Chicago, so they were uh, they were going crazy. I mean, literally insane. It was hard to get any work done, especially after the the Cubs went down three one and. Oh. Everybody had written them off. Oh, um,
0: she, Chicago here, was, the tension was palpable, wasn't it?
2: Yes, and, and um, yesterday, five million people gathered in Chicago for the wealth for the victory parade, and they said it was one of the largest gatherings I, in the history of humankind. I believe
0: they said the seventh largest yes. gathering of human beings ever. That's I I, I didn't know what oh the top God. six were, but they probably have something to do with Mecca or the Pope.
3: I'm or guessing. maybe, like, Mao sending all the people with college degrees out into the countryside during the whole <laughs> <local revolution. laughs> yes.
0: yes, something, something like that. Listen, a little bit of your background, uh, a CV for our, our listeners. Jay was executive producer and writer for the sketch comedy show Key & Peel on Comedy Central. And in fact, uh Peel won the Emmy Award for Sketch Variety Show this year, beating out things like SNL and Amy Schumer. Congratulations, Jay.
3: Oh, thank you. Thank well, you, he's Lizzie.
0: currently a showrunner for the program Teachers on TV Land. Jay's created various TV shows, written screenplays, I'm going to get to this a little bit later, but he's gardened for Richard Nixon and was once arrested for confronting Jeb Bush about Florida's death penalty program. Uh, He's also written uh, comic pieces for The New Yorker, Rolling Stone, and is an Emmy and Peabody Award winner. And Channel Blue is uh, his first novel out now. And I've been reading Channel Blue. Why don't we start there? Tell us a little bit about this book. I've started reading it, and I'm about a third of the way through, and it's about an alien... uh, civilization who uses the planet Earth for their entertainment factor. Am I sort of quoting that right in a one-sentence synopsis?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's about, there's actually this huge intergalactic entertainment empire that's enslaving us for their own enjoyment, Uh, which makes sense in light of the election. and, And everything that goes on, if you, I think, once you start thinking about that, you you become convinced that it's the only way to think about the world is that we're being entertaining for someone else. It almost sounds like a work of nonfiction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you could make the case that Donald Trump could be none other than an alien sent here to just upend everything. And uh, make I'd us like, la- I'd like to believe that that's true. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'd like to believe that that's true. Well, it's a, it's a it's a wonderful read so far. I, I right. have no idea what's going to happen with the main character who's a. Earthling, an Earth Earthler, is that what they call yeah,
3: them? or uh, Yeah, they're, they're Earthle. They're they they're just Earthles. sort of like uh, innocuous idiots. The main character is an unemployed screenwriter uh, based on myself. I was
0: going to say, <laughs> yeah. is there any is there any uh, autobiographical factors to this guy, uh, this uh, screenwriter, this struggling screenwriter who's teaching screen screenplay writing at a community college somewhere?
3: It's funny you should ask that because the genesis of the novel was that in 2007 there was this uh, huge writer strike that basically obliterated the industry for a couple of years uh the studios responded by ceasing to buy any screenplays of any kind to punish the writers and um my screenwriting career was derailed and so i started writing this novel about an unemployed screenwriter who discovers that that there's this larger conspiracy to uh to enslave the Earth by by an even larger entertainment industrial complex,
0: the galactic industrial complex. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What I love about the, the the plot twist that happens early on is that they decide that the ratings for. Earth behavior are really down, and so mm-hmm. they're they're going to decide. And it's called it's called Channel Blue, and it's got mm-hmm. what two three thousand different channels to it. You can tune yeah, in and see and you... like watch Roscoe's life. You know yeah, every yeah, day from be beginning Roscoe to end. Would have his own channel, would, yeah. oh, definitely Roscoe would have his own channel <laughs> without question. But the ratings are down, and so the higher up corporate people decide. Yeah, it's time to cancel Channel Blue. <laughs> so they're gonna blow up the Earth. And this big producer, ratings. yeah, big ratings on that. But this producer, who's an alien who works here on on Earth, tells this screenwriter who stumbles on it in some very strange way. She finally reveals it to him because she feels he's the only one that can really help them. Um, they're usually not interfering in people's lives. They just let people's lives go on because they're entertaining just the way they are. But lately, they've been trying to interfere a little bit, like causing earthquakes in Italy, are, are we giving away <laughs> running Donald Trump for president. Are, are we giving away too much of a book? <laughs> no, this, this is like the first 50 pages. Oh, okay. Less <laughs> than 50 pages. Yeah, yeah. This, is, uh, this is just to whet people's appetite. So <laughs> it's a great read. I, I wish I had been able to finish it before our program here, um, but I encourage... Encourage anyone who would uh, love to read more of Jay's stuff, you can uh, find out more by going to his Facebook page on Facebook.com slash Author Jay Martell, Author Jay Martell, M-A-R-T-E-L. Jay, I got to ask you, what, what the hell is a showrunner?
3: Oh, uh, that's a good question.
0: <laughs> yes, I, uh, thank you very much.
3: Yeah, I mean, the short answer is it's the person responsible for a TV show from... Soup to nuts, from the the writing of uh, of each episode to finishing the editing and the sound mix. So it's just someone who who guides that whole process along and is uh, intrinsic to all of it. Is that like and, being a producer? Or is it bigger than a producer? Well, uh, it's it's interesting because the title producer is flung around quite a bit here in Hollywood. Surprisingly enough, like pretty much. A lot of people become producers who have nothing to do with the show. It's a it's a it's a title that suffers from inflation, basically. Uh, no, Showrunner, not writer, unlike
0: bro, not unlike Broadway, where yes. there'll be 400 producers above the title, and many of them have nothing to do with it other than they put some money in it, or they had an idea once,
3: money or they deals. made a phone call. You know, they made um, a phone call. <laughs> you know, which is so. Yeah, but but and, and showrunner is not an actual title you see in any on any TV show, but it sh, it probably should be because you'll see like nine or ten executive producers names out there, but you don't know which one of those people actually were the showrunner, and that's a and it's a very different different kind of thing that they do.
0: I never really knew what it means, but it's sort of exactly what it sounds like. You run the show from as you said, soup to nuts, right?
3: Yeah. And yep.
0: Very hands-on. You're, you're with the writers in the room. You're on set when they're filming. Uh, you're in the editing room. You're making sure everything gets done. Do you, do you, do you oversee the craft services as well?
3: <laughs> no, you just complain when they don't have the donuts you like. Absolutely. That's an important job, too.
0: If I'm ever in Hollywood, I like I like coconut donuts, by the way. Coconut okay. frosting on my donuts. We'll, we'll
3: set you up. Yeah, they're
2: selling, in, in Chicago, they've been Dunkin' Donuts, of course. Has been selling Big Cubs donuts and they've proven to be so popular, I think that they will just be a continuing item for the rest of our lives.
0: <laughs> might, might as, hey, I think a Cub donut is good for a year, till, till next through next season. Through next season. Because we're is, a what world is a cub
2: champions. Uh, it's the Cubs logo re-c- recreated on a donut and frosting.
3: Hey, if they, can, if they can stain the river green for St. Patrick's Day, I guess.
2: Well, you know, you they know. dyed the river Loves blue. Yeah, did you know they dyed the river blue for the Cubs? Oh no. <laughs> they okay. did and, and yeah, and it didn't quite work because they couldn't they couldn't get it the right color blue. So what was fantastic is everyone and I I work right over the Chicago River, so everyone's taking pictures of the Chicago River. Everyone would Photoshop the photos before they would put them on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) So it's now created this false history of the Blue River in Chicago because, boy, did that river look great, but it didn't really look that way in in person. you You would call it color correcting in Hollywood. Well, uh, thank you.
0: It's called Channel Blue, Jay. You <laughs> yeah, just look yes. it up on your phone, and, and, and it'll take care of it.
2: You know, it doesn't smell anymore. Yeah. And right. it's less uh, – you don't see dead fish floating right. anymore. But this well, was, there
3: can't be anything living in it,
2: right? No, I mean, no. We actually have – they've cleaned up the river so much, They there are actually branches <laughs> – of the Chicago River where they have a problem with beavers building dams <laughs> yeah, across uh. the north branch and they have to go in and take the take the logs down because are it's clogging blue? the beavers blue?
3: I mean, well, they, the beavers they, are they, probably they, get they died
2: the same way. They they're probably blue today. <laughs> they glow in the dark. But, um, <laughs> but one of my coworkers said that she where there's a 7-Eleven in the building where I work. Boy, I'm getting, all these product plugs, 7-Eleven, Dunkin' Donuts. She Oh, wow, you guys are rolling in it. We're I rolling. I went down there to buy a Coca-Cola and a bag of fritos and <laughs> here you go and one of in my, his toyota <laughs> one cha-ching. of cha-ching, my cha-ching, um, cha-ching. one of my co-workers got to work early and she got there is the men who had just dyed the river blue were are getting done for the day and they're going to buy a six-pack and she said <laughs> they were covered from head to toe in blue dye and she said it was just <laughs> hilarious they've gotten it all over
0: them speaking of beavers I know, that's a terrible segue. I <laughs> segue.
3: You
0: know, we talk about, thank you, thank you. We, talk about, uh, we talk about animals on our show quite a bit because we, well, we love animals. We're, we're animal lovers. And one of the kinds of animals we talk about a lot are elephants. Uh, we've done stories about the elephants missing from the Ringling Brothers Circus. We've talked about elephants going to the uh, elephant sanctuary. Here's a story that popped up. Shirley and Jenny, two pachyderms, spent many years in the same circus. Jenny was only a calf while Shirley was in her 20s, and they lived together for an entire winter, but then they were separated. Well, 22 years later, Roscoe, they both ended up at the Elephant Sanctuary in Tennessee, which we've talked about. Staff was unsure of what their reunion would be like. Would they remember each other? Well, according to the sanctuary, their bonding was immediate. This is after 22 years, intense and unforgettable. They say it is very rare for elephants to display this kind of emotion in captivity. I, I, I'm just astounded what by this did they, story.
2: What did they... Did they what, is it going to tell us...
0: Well, it, it, at first they said they didn't recognize each other, but then uh, apparently Jenny tried to get closer to Shirley, the young one to the old one, and once they made eye contact, Shirley erupted into a huge baritone roar, according to one source. Shirley roared and gently touched Jenny's face. It was clear that they remembered each other. Uh, what a heartwarming moment. There's video of this, by the way. Someone was, uh, someone was shooting this while they introduced them. They, um, they
3: should do like a Thelma and Louise where they, they bust out and steal a car and just take <laughs> <off>. <laughs> Dri-
0: Drive over a cliff.
3: Yeah, yeah <laughs> Just, absolutely. Get out of the elephant sanctuary.
2: Uh, y- yeah, y-
0: you know, you know my love for elephants, uh, Roscoe, and and that uh, I'm I'm so pleased that they have a place to go to the elephant sanctuary. Yeah.
2: Jay, you wouldn't know this, but Gary need almost needed to be hospitalized when the elephants were removed from the Barnum and Bailey Circus. Oh and my God! Uh, yeah, and in fact, last year on the final tour, Gary went by himself to the to the circus. <laughs> a, a, a man of a certain age in a trench coat. But. I always
3: warn my children to watch out for guys like that. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> what could be more creepy? Could, yeah, I was,
2: was I was extremely creepy. What, what could be creepier than a lone, a lone man watching the elephants? I think he was afraid and of his, crying. He's probably crying. Well, too. I think that's why he went by himself because he wasn't sure he could keep his emotions in check.
0: I, I did shed a tear.
2: Did you? Yeah.
0: Yeah. When those kids cheered the elephants, when they do the big uh, r- walk around mm-hmm. and all the all the acrobats mm-hmm. and all the circus performers run around.
3: Yeah. Was just... Oh, the walk the around is like the money shot, right? Thru- That's thrilling. Like... Totally. Totally. A- and we'll never see them again. So, so, Gary, you don't subscribe to the theory that the circus was cruel to the elephants, I take it?
0: Those like... elephants, whenever they do a trick, they'd mm-hmm. shove a giant piece of gondola bread in their mouth, like a three-foot-long really? piece of bread. They'd get it every time they did anything. Lift a leg, stand uh-huh. around. The elephants looked happier than the children looked. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I think they were treated immensely well. I, I, they, they looked happy as, as, as clams, pachyderms.
2: Oh, <laughs> we'll have to work on that analogy. And, ele- and elephants never forget,
0: apparently, according to Jenny and Shirley. And they, they reunited. I, I, have another, I have another animal story.
2: Is it about sharks?
0: It's not. Okay. We also have a running shark theme going, uh, Jay, but this one is not. Once you told me about uh, Galapagos turtles, Roscoe, on the air, and we were talking about how old they are. Well, a a, a libidinous 100-year-old giant tortoise named Diego has almost single-handedly saved the species from extinction. In the early 1960s, apparently, there were only two male and 12 female members of his species alive on the Galapagos Island of Española. So conservationists transported Diego from the San Diego Zoo to Española, hoping he would breed, a mission apparently he enthusiastically embraced because uh, the 182 pound giant has fathered approximately 800 babies in the last 50 years. Turning the tide for the species, conservationists credit Diego's success with the ladies to his handsomeness. <laughs> wow. He has the look of a hardened warrior, apparently. <laughs> so, they're amazing stories in the, in the news about animals. And I have, I have one more. Do you, do you support this emotional uh, uh, support animal thing, Jay? You know, where people have like a rabbit or uh, a uh, pony a or something. animal.
3: Not a helper yeah, so yeah. much. I, I, I guess I'm somewhat support. supportive. It sort of depends. Like if, if, if sometimes it just seems like a boondoggle. You know, it just seems like a way for people to get their pets on planes.
0: An air passenger boarded a flight in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, with her emotional support animal, a duck wearing red shoes and a Captain America diaper. <laughs>
3: <laughs> did it have a vest though did it have the uh, therapy duck vest
0: it did not Carla Fitzgerald was surprised at photos of her pet duck guess what the name of the duck was Donald Roscoe Roscoe the duck oh that's <laughs> fabulous <laughs>
3: Uh, he I mean, became it's an internet vest, sensation. You uh, you, you it's know. not a therapy duck. And it's not a therapy duck if it doesn't have the vest.
0: It wasn't uh, the emotional support animal. And to to this woman, she said to me, "Having an emotional support duck seems normal." Well, you're from California, Jay. What's yeah. going on out there? Where where are they creating <laughs> these things? Me. I I I got to assume that the support, the emotional support animal craze, started out there in, in Hollywood.
3: I I only know about it because. It was the way my friends were trying to get their, their dogs on the plane. Like, if you have that <laughs> yes. vest, you get that vest on, dog walks right on the plane if it's, a, you know, of a certain size. Otherwise, you have to pay like a hundred, hundreds of dollars and stash it in this uh, kind of inhuman or cargo hold. So
0: you're thinking this is a bit of a scam.
3: To a certain degree, yeah. I, I, I mean, what do you think? What do you, emotional support, Doc? I think there's some money. To <laughs> <laughs> I
2: think there's some money to be made by I, Gary. We could go and buy some sewing machines tomorrow and start making <laughs> these vests and selling them <laughs> on the black market.
0: Why? Why do we have to stop there? We could make a vest for like you and say you're my emotional support human. human and mm. you have to come and sit with me on the plane. Then then we could get free airfare. Right. <laughs> uh, why don't we
2: ask Jay about his TV series? Sure. <laughs>
0: hey, let's talk about Key Peel for a while. Say, right? uh, it, what a great show. It's no longer available on uh, Comedy Central, but you can find episodes of it uh, on the Internet, absolutely for sure, and lots of sketches on YouTube and things like that.
3: Yeah, they actually just put up Every sketch on the Comedy Central website. Oh. So, That's yeah.
0: fantastic. Yeah. It, it it was and is a great show. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you were fortunate enough to, and they were fortunate enough to win Emmy. Awards uh, for it this past year. You know, I've never been to a major awards show. Have you, Roscoe, have you been to the Oscars or the Tonys or the Emmys?: or I have the not. CMAs or the Nothing. The
2: Jeff N- No. the Jeff Awards. The, the, the Jeff- I've not even been to the Jeff Awards. I was nominated for a minor acting award once, but I couldn't go to the ceremony.
0: So, Jay, what's it like at one of these award shows? I have a feeling because of the way the reaction from the crowd was and from you and from uh, uh, Key and Peele that y- you might have been a little surprised to win this, though I wasn't okay. surprised at all. What's the excitement like when they finally, like, they call the name of your show?
3: Um, it's incredible because as much as you don't want to care, you, you do care. Um, there's this whole thing that happens as you're going to the ceremony. You, you 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 say to yourself, I'm not going to get caught up in this. I'm just going to go have some free drinks, enjoy myself. And if we win, that's fine. If we don't, it's not. But of course, what happens to me is as soon as I get to these things, I'm just uh, completely invested in it, want to win so badly, and then feel completely upset and rejected and uh, a series of horrible cascading emotions after losing, and then you just sort of slink off at the end. But <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, it's really, it, actually, award ceremonies I find very difficult uh, in general, but, um, and, and that sounds like a ridiculous complaint. It was really nice to win because we'd been nominated. Uh, the show had been nominated for 18, 18 times by the Emmys and had won one other Emmy for, for Makeup and then we got this one. So it was it was completely shocking. And I personally had been nominated I think like 9 times for Emmys and had never won. So so the combination as a, was as a like, as a
0: writer, as a producer, as both.
3: As as both. Yeah, on on different shows. So to actually win was there was this kind of disconnect that happens where you're just sure that they've made some kind of mistake.
0: Yeah. You looked um, As soon as they called the name and they started panning the cameras around and we finally got a shot of you running down the aisle uh, on stage, you looked a little gobsmacked. You're like, this is, <laughs> this is wild. Um, you you talked was. about afterwards, you go to these, you go to these after parties as comedy central have like an after party and stuff like that.
3: Oh yeah. A crazy thing happened, which is I left my, um, I left a, a bunch of personal stuff in an envelope under the seat, like the envelope, the tickets came in when I went up and, and, you know, I was sitting next to my wife, went up to the stage, got the award, went on, went backstage and did all the, you you go into this whole kind of factory where they interview you a hundred times and take your picture and stuff. And then as that was happening, a seat filler came and sat down in my seat. Well, at the end of the ceremony, I came back to go to, to get tickets to the, you know, the sort of, the ball that takes place out of the thing, the envelope was gone. The seat, the seat filler had stolen oh. all my stuff. <laughs> oh. And so, and then I went, so I went, you know, fortunately I had the Emmy Award, so I could go and say like, hey, <laughs> let, let me into the party.
0: That's sort of instant and, entrance right there, yeah, yeah. And yeah. hey, look what I got here, right here, buddy.
2: This was just September, right, that you won your award? Yes,
3: uh, where do you keep it? It's in, a, in the dining room on a, just like a table with a, all the other awards that our family has won. My daughter has like a, a, an award she won for, for running really far once to raise money for school. Uh, my wife has like some kind of best costume award from, uh, you know, a Fourth of July parade when she was 12. And then I have like my Key and Peel awards, basically, which are like a the Peabody and Emmy uh, Writers Guild Award.
0: Tell uh, us, uh, tell us about your uh, Peabody Award. Uh, what did you win that for?
3: That was for Key and Peel as well. That was like our second season. That's an interesting award. You write an essay for it. Um, really? And so, yeah, yeah. You write an essay. Send, you send your show, of course, but you also write this. It's, it's kind of like high school. You write an essay about why you should win the Peabody Award. Oh, oh they, <laughs> just, they just don't find you and give you the award. No, no. You have to you have to tell them why.
0: Fascinating. I I have to digress here just for a moment, Uh, uh, Jay. Roscoe and I had a uh, Booth One experience yesterday. We finally made it to uh, Tony and Tina's wedding here locally in Chicago, directed by our friend and friend of the show, Paul Strohle. So we went to the show, but before that... We were given uh, unlimited and very exclusive access to the uh, bridal party uh, the groomsman and the groom and the bride and her bride'smaids. Uh, we were able to ride in their private limos on the way to the church ceremony. Uh, Roscoe you were with the uh, the bride and her uh, bridal party correct yes did they did they look spectacular they, what was the, what was the main color of their dresses?
2: Uh, bright red. Red satin. Red red satin. Slightly garish, surprisingly. They were lovely girls. And, and I, I got I, to
0: ride with the boys, yeah, uh, okay. the groom and the groomsmen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were they were also lovely people. So we have a little bit of Were they in that. character while you were doing this? Yes. Of course.
2: Yes. I played myself, Roscoe, and the okay. women were in character when I met them, and they were in character when I got out of the limo.
0: And and uh, ditto here with the gentlemen. Well, we're going to play <laughs> a little bit of the uh, excerpts from our, our limo rides uh, for our listeners right now. Uh, hang with us, Jay.
2: Oh, my God. I'm so excited. This is Roscoe. I am in the back of a fabulous limousine with four beautiful women. Mm-hmm. So excited. Tina, you're getting married today. I am. Yeah. Are you yeah. excited? I'm so excited. I'm like
4: foaming at the mouth. Wow. Is
2: this, <laughs> is this your first marriage? Oh, my
4: God. Yeah, of course. Is Hopefully it lasts. last. Okay. Uh, even, you can't even put that into the universe. She's put the negative her. energy out time time there. take okay. we'll so yeah. back.
2: How, how so we'll take it back. Have, you and Tony have been together. Oh, four years? Yeah, like... Yeah, it was yeah,
4: four. four. So yeah. In some ways, it feels like ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we just know so much about each other. We've been through so much together. And then, in other ways, it feels like we started dating, like, yesterday.
2: And you're yeah. deeply in love. Deeply, deeply. So no, this fun. isn't a shotgun marriage.
4: Oh, my God, no. <laughs> no! no. <laughs>
1: oh
2: I'm God. the pregnant <laughs> one, okay? Now, are yeah, you, okay, and Mrs. Connie, are you sisters?
4: No, we're just, just really best good friends. friends.
2: Just, are you all just best friends? We're friends. Yeah. yeah, we're, friends. we're kind of,
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, like, um, Your ma's our ma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. my ma, and you, and your ma's my ma. <laughs> oh, <yeah.
2: laughs> is, there, is there some bitterness here among any of you that she's marrying Tony? I'm looking uh, at Donna.
4: No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no! I have a gorgeous boyfriend. I do not need Tony. Dominic is all the
4: man. I Dominic is he is pretty he's good. so hot, he is so right? Hot. Well, so I mean, hot. he. Well, Dominic's great because he has this great personality. He was a late bloomer. He used to be fat, so and hot. now he's really built. So, like, yeah, he has a great personality, and I think that is so yeah, beautiful. Right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. yeah he's up. And how yeah. do
2: how do y'all know each other?
4: We all went to high school together. Yeah. Wow. We are all part
2: of the same clique. Uh-huh. Wow. Mm-hmm. Were you like the mean girls?
4: Oh, my God. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay wait. like, uh-huh. And Do they're we like, look no. like mean girls? Only if they deserved it. Yeah. That's yeah. the rule. Uh, yeah. And most of the time, they did. If you and so, like, yeah.
2: what clique were you in? Were you cheerleaders? Oh
4: my God, no. no. We, we no. were sort of the anti-clique clique. Did yeah. you? Yeah. Were almost burnouts but not really yeah, not were, really like, like, cool burnouts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like we were like too happened. pretty to be like burnouts burnouts yeah, right. but like if we didn't want to go to class like we didn't go yeah, why? <laughs> <laughs> like who has time no way did
2: you, how did that work out for you
4: Um, it's good. Now I do I work in a salon and I do makeup.
2: Really? Yeah,
4: well going to makeup school. Yeah. Yeah, I mean as you can tell from I actually did my own makeup Mm -hmm. today. I can't cry it off though.
2: You are beautiful. Yeah,
4: thank you. Mm -hmm.
2: Did you were you like the group that like stood across the street from school and smoked?
4: I tried it, but I always got like too tired and I ate too much candy. Yeah, she got really fat when she was smoking. Oh my god. (laughs) You're literally so rude. But you wanna know what my wedding (laughs) diet was? I only ate pasta when I was hungover. Yeah. So it was like that's twice a week instead of that's every day. To do it. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. It's the alcohol. Mm-hmm. The and it was I smart because, because she was alcohol. originally gonna dip like cotton balls in Coca Cola, but we told her that that she can't do the ballerina diet. No, you know no. what I mean. The ballerina diet where you dip cotton balls in Coca Cola and then you eat them. <laughs> it makes you feel full. It's yeah, very eat so cheap. We eat the really? Cotton balls. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, then I mean, your stomach so gets like. So what, what are you talking about? You swallow the cotton balls. No, no, no. We did it before prom. Did it before prom? Marina and I did it before prom. And guess what? I won Queen. That's true. She did. You did? And I got oh. my appeal. When yeah. did you go to high school with Tony? <laughs> um. Yes, we did. Oh, so, so Yeah, so, well, at first I hated him.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: Because I was doing a talent show dance, and he paid a drummer in the pit to, like, under my dance solo, do, like, a sultry drum solo, like, dun, 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 dun. And so I looked like a stripper. <gasps> and I was so embarrassed, yeah. and I was like... Anthony Angelo Nunzio I hate you so much And then he made it up to me Yeah, they made out behind the love. stage Over time, over time
2: Donna, talk to me about the tattoos
4: um, Well, they all have special meanings so Yeah, i got lots of them So I got this one on my arm Which is a heart and an infinity symbol mm. I have a big, uh, a big phoenix on my leg which is really cool to see yeah. when I drew that one when I wanted to be an wow artistry. and
2: then like there's a big one on your neck yeah
4: I got like, like a, some cherry blossoms on my neck and I got like a little Joshua tree
0: from like
2: the, the California wow. side of my family did you want her to cover it up for the wedding
4: never, never. I'm a low maintenance bride She's I'm so good. I'm like really laid back and low no maintenance drama. Well, no drama your mom took the bridezilla role I just like Zella I wanted them all like to just like feel no. beautiful and like no. I wanted their dresses to be like classic understated, you know, something that they'll feel good in years from now. And for those of you who, sorry, didn't get invited and sorry, don't know I'm what sorry. they look like right now, uh, they're these beautiful red dresses that are a lovely homage to the 80s era.
2: Wow. And I heard that you're getting married to a packed house. You invited 170 people. I that's did. All you can fit.
4: They, they all really wanted to come. It's going to be a fun wedding. But the thing was, my mom... Ma- she was, like, very um, adamant about which family members she wanted there, you know? Yeah.
2: Good luck with the boyfriend and the baby. Of course. Congratulations. Oh, and I love the tattoos. Thank you. And you. And I'm, I'm so thrilled you invited me. Oh, my gosh. I haven't been to so a wedding much fun. In, I haven't been to a wedding in years since my niece had to. Oh, well, never mind. Um. It's TonyLovesTina.com. Yep is what everyone should know. That's
4: our wedding website. Mm-hmm. I and
2: I'm so excited to be in the car with you. I you know cuz like to be a guy right? riding with the women, right? oh my the four beautiful That's women. Only the cool
4: guys are allowed. Oh wow, cool it's so guy. exciting,
2: cool Tony. Tonylovestina.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're pulling up to the church right now and we're going to sneak oh! you in the side door yeah! so that the groom doesn't see you. <laughs>
0: It, I gotta sit. I'm his right hand man, Dom. Okay. What's so so it's it, it, it's Gary Zabinski with the booth one, and uh, I've been invited as a very special guest today to ride along in the limo on the way to the church. With Tony and his as bro- groom's party. My bridesmaids, yes, right? No, <laughs> I look like
5: I Gary. Look, gosh. I got, I got the legs for a dress. We got me
0: Dominic try. and Barry here. Barry, you're the best man, yep, right? Yeah. yep, You ever been married before? What do you got you advice know, for Tony I, on?
1: I, I I haven't been married. Tony knows this. I've asked my girlfriend, Connie, a couple times. She keeps saying no. Of course. I don't, well, She's it's, making the right choice. Well, she just doesn't want to overshadow your wedding tone, okay? So how about a uh, thank you, okay? Maybe a thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. But no, I here's some advice, Tone. First of all, don't hire a pool boy ever. Even what? if you don't have a pool, don't hire a pool boy. I don't when am I gonna get a pool it, on my on my salary? Yes, what, what is it? He digs a
0: hole in the ground. What's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Seriously, you can't put a pool above ground. You've heard of that. I right? have heard about yeah. this. We're I not know. we're not those kind of people. We're you not, not, you need a cement not. pond. Yeah. My dad used yeah. to yeah.
1: use yeah. a tarp. It was just a tarp with a couple of popsicle sticks. A waiting
0: pool and a lawn chair. That's how we act. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you having me along in the limo. This is quite the nice stretch. We're tooling along down here, down Clark, past a uh, beautiful yeah. Wrigley Field. Oh, now, just yeah. one baby. They yeah. won. One yeah. That's on that's an eight. On an eight. We're yeah. on our way to the church, Resurrection uh, Lutheran Church, mm-hmm. I think it's called. We're right. um, Catholic, but, yeah, but you uh, know they were, uh, they were nice enough. Yeah, to, they were good. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Hey, wait, wait! Hey, driver, pull over! Pull over! Pull up We got Joey. Joey's here. Joey's here. Joey. Get in the car, Come on, on Joey. Get in here. I love Come me on. Just
1: walking down Belmont. Yeah, get over Strutting here. Strutting and sashaying. Look at that I red jacket. I oh my out of hair wax. I'm you, sorry. You look like it's a so movie usher. Jesus.
0: What? Joey, welcome to the party. I'm Thank Gary. So I'm with Booth One, and uh, you guys have been nice enough to invite me along. Yeah. Paul Strohly uh, extended the invitation, and I, I, I got to say, you all look really. Uh, Dapper in your in your outfits here. Uh, did you all coordinate this red, white, and black thing, or uh, yeah. well, nah, something nah, you this had this in your rooms, closet.
1: This is what we were told to wear by uh, by Tina, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we had no say. Leave it to Joey. Just for uh, for those listening at home, uh, the groomsmen are wearing black jackets with red ties and red cummerbunds, and of course Joey, the flamboyant groomsman that he is, has to wear a red jacket it's with a black tie. I always thought that I wasn't was. gonna wear black. It's too dreary. It's Tina's brother. Give him a break, you know. I must have red, I can do it
0: too, all I gave right? it the okay, I thought I thought that Thank all you, grooms Tony. wear
1: white, Thank which you. is why I'm wearing my I, white.
0: I think he just came from his job at the Russian Tea Time uh, yes. over there yes. by That's the exactly. Art museum. <laughs> I honestly oh, I always like... wear those red blazers. Well, but you, you know, you look, I have to be jealous. How's the plans on the reception going? Everything seemed to be in order. Yeah, I
1: mean, Vinnie Black's got his Coliseum over there. We're going to take it real easy. It's just down the street from the church, too. So we're going to walk the whole party down there. And I'm telling you, he, he set it up right. It's gonna be mm-hmm. a party. Mrs. V's paying for the whole thing. Mrs. Natale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. She's paying for all of it. Well, well not the bar. You know, not the bar. Not
5: the bar. She knows better than that. But uh,
1: you know, pays. everything else she pays. And she's for. not paying for the honeymoon either. Where, where are you going? Yeah, to the tents and teepees. Tads. 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 Tents and teepees. It's like three miles past the dells. It's six
5: stops past the dells. We're going all out. for it. just bring me back some fudge and a butter burger. We're good. I'll get you some blue moon ice cream. That's what I want. Yeah. You need of to course. stop at well, uh, cheese, cheese castle. cheese castle, castle. yeah. That's a good spot. That's it. yeah. a good spot. Nothing gets better than cheddar.
0: J- Joey, how are you related to uh, to uh, Tony? Well, Tina, Tina's my sister,
1: so she made me a groomsman. My future brother-in-law here. Yeah. Look at you, you cute Oh, <laughs>
0: uh, Listen, a, a, a brother-in-law can be your best friend in a wedding. Take it from me. I know. Are you okay yeah. with that, well, Barry? I, I, I think I think he just uh, well, had a mini stroke. I could be Tony's
1: best friend, thank you. Wow.
0: <laughs>
5: wow. Barry, wow. you have some competition. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think Barry just had a hemorrhage.
1: Barry's so so very much, serious, I serious about so much his He's... Dancing. Like it, it's going to be great. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my okay, goodness. Don't... I am as nervous. as Tony like I could, Barry. No, I can dance just fine. Thank you very much. Okay? Yeah, Listen, right. have you seen me? Have you seen me do the raptor dance? Yeah, you do and it Let me see look. you do it right now. No, I can't yeah. do it in the limo. I, I need just... full, I need,
0: the full... I need full. pecking position <laughs> order. I need we can do... open the sunroof and <laughs> you can see I'll open the sunroof yeah, yeah, right up now. I'll open the sunroof Hey, keep your on this. Watch the viaduct. Driver! Driver! Pull it around! and pull it around! Get back! Go come! Back,
1: oh, my
0: God. Barry! Barry! Oh, my God. Okay. Dingle, get back in here! Jesus, are <laughs> Expecting uh, you guys to do your own vows? Did you write your own vows for this, uh, Tony? Yeah, yeah, I got it. We, uh, me and Barry got something
1: special. Mm-hmm. He's going to help me out with his uh, with his ukulele a little mm-hmm. bit during the uh, the ceremony. But mm-hmm. like I say I'm a little nervous. I actually haven't memorized them, so I got them written down on a nah. paper right mm-hmm. now. You write them down.
0: You don't. Yeah, need yeah I, can't, I can't say I've ever been to a ukulele wedding. Uh, I've been it's... to guitar weddings. I've been to rock weddings. It's tasteful, uh, It's, it's
1: taste. It is
0: very tasteful. How are you related to Tony?
5: I'm not related to him, but we've been all friends forever. And He's his, a second brother. Yeah, his dad actually yeah. took me in because my uh, my parents aren't here anymore. My dad was uh, uh, killed at an early age, and my, my you know my mom ran off with a with her, one of her boyfriends. So Tony's dad, you know, you know, kind of gave me some money, gave me a job at a strip club. So yeah, and so me and Tony, you know, we've been friends story. forever, but you know we're kind of like unofficial you know bros, I guess. But you know, we've all been friends. We had a singing group when we were younger. Yeah. We were the Three Fungos. Oh, we- the three fungus. That's what we tell. were. You can tell. Yeah, was, come on. We're not do singing. It. We ain't singing. We ain't singing, but no. You can't sing you can't anything. No, uh, happy to say a little, uh, what, What'd you do with the strip club? Oh, I just kind of help out Mr. Nunzio. I'm kind of like a second in command. You know, I just make sure nobody gets out of line. I do, you know, help him with the money make the girls, you know, make sure everybody shows up. They you, don't, you, you know. make the girls? I don't, the don't make
0: the girls. You do make the girls. They make sure they're all happy I and good, you
1: know. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're a bouncer, so yeah. I'm to talk it up. Hey. Wow.
0: <laughs> and, and Barry, you've, you've had a longtime girlfriend who's <laughs> yep. in the bridal party. Connie, um, Connie yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I ran into her earlier in the day uh-huh. when um, I was dropping my partner off because he's in the limo with them. <coughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh... Forgive me. I, it, either she was just wearing a, a high-waisted dress or she's in the family way. Uh, oh, no, you see how big she is? She is a, yeah. She's, she's very, very big. pop.
1: She's very... She's she it. is. She is, yeah. From
0: we... I'm one for one. We'll put
1: that okay, the only Okay, so I'm one for one, all right? And I think that was about eight months ago. <laughs> you know, I'm going don't back Oh, my God. I'm going to Barry, put room. your that's shirt on. Get, Get your, out. your shirt on, Barry. <laughs> wait for the YMCA. Attendance. Get your shirt off. Oh, my <laughs> God. Are we doing that? Of course. Of course yeah, we're going to do it. That's, doing doing that. that's no. what we do. Come on. That's no. what we do. He's taking his clothes off, and we're not even at the church yet. Are you kidding me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what kind of food are we expecting tonight, gentlemen? Uh, Chinese. Is there food? <laughs> is there, <laughs> there carryout Chinese carryout? out yes. No. No, we got got Vinnie Black's catering
1: the whole meal. Mrs. Vinnie Black's He's taking care of everything. We got some CD We got some bread. You're gonna have some cake. You're have champagne Excellent. toast. The whole, the whole night. Excellent. Yeah, arts. Yeah. Is that what it is? The whole night. Yeah, we're doing uh, the sausage. <laughs> Even I know that.
5: I'm I think play the football. sausage pasta is gonna be good, and uh, yeah, you know the. Uh, the
0: salad of, what is it, the salad of happiness or something? Well, yeah, g- hey, we're just pulling up to the church now. I know you guys got to get out and you got to get ready because you got to you got to be up there waiting. You, you can't be right. last. No, no, be no. First. We got to be the first ones
1: there. Yeah, yeah. yeah we gotta, so,
0: thanks for letting me into uh, the inner sanctum of the limo. Best of luck, Tony. Thank you. Um, Thank I, you I'm Gary. looking forward to the whole ceremony. It's going to be a good one. And, and the food. And, uh, one, one of us! One, one, one of us! Yeah, this is Gary. One. one of us! <laughs> I'm off to the wedding. So that was our limo ride experience. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. And then we went to the show. We had a wonderful time. Yeah. Wasn't it great? Yeah,
2: it was great much, fun. much, it was hilarious. Uh, the ceremony is actually in a church. And so you go to the church for the ceremony, and it's quite entertaining. And then you walk a block and a half to a banquet hall.
0: And we want to thank Paul Strolley for putting us in a real VIP seating area. If you uh, want to uh, find out more about Tony and Tina's wedding here in Chicago, go to TonyLovesTina.com for information on performances and tickets. We're talking with our friend Jay Martell by Skype all the way from Los Angeles live. So, Jay, I wanted to get back to something I mentioned really right at the top of the show. You, among your odd jobs as you were coming up in the business, and I know you lived in New York for many years, uh, even though you're sort of a California native and you live out there now, you, you were, for a time, Richard Milhouse Nixon's Gardener. Am, yeah, am, am, yeah. I, am I getting that correct? How, how did this come about, and what did that entail?
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you know, it's weird. Uh, Nixon and I go back a long way. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I, you know, moved to New York after college and was struggling uh, as a, uh, an actor and a writer. I was worried deliveries for this uh, florist on the Upper East Side, and uh, one day I came in there say no deliveries today. Get in the truck. Okay. in the truck. And where are we going? Uh, the Nixons. Uh, to Saddle River where, you know, the Nixons lived. Pat was having new rhododendrons to uh, greet the king of Morocco who was visiting.
0: So you get in this van from the florist that you're working for and they said, we're going to the Nixons.
3: Mm-hmm. And she's having um,
0: rhododendrons put in.
3: Yes, rhododendrons for the king of Morocco. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) yeah, came out and said hello to everyone and greeted everyone. And he seemed kind of lonely, you know, and it was like a little off-putting for someone who'd grown up hating Nixon to see this kind of frail old man who seemed kind of bummed out.
0: Yeah. Did he ever speak to you? Did you ever actually encounter him in in you know sort of a one on one situation
3: so he came out he came out and, and shook hands with all the gardeners all the and, and, and you know talked to them, but it was all very sort of like the way a politician deals with it <laughs> and then my, my, my closest sort of intimate brush with Nixon was later I was planting uh, rhododendrons around his pool, and Nixon came out in a, in a big uh, like a terry cloth robe, and I was like, "Oh no, what's going on here?" <laughs> and as I'm watching, he, he he stands at the edge of the pool and just throws off his robe, and there's there's Nixon in a speedo, and I'm uh, I'm, you know, st- I'm I'm watching Nixon swim laps in a pool.
0: What was it? Was it as was it as appalling as it is in my mind's eye right this moment?
3: Yeah, it's something that you, you can't easily erase. I mean, I'm sure it's just like, you know, people talk about having done a lot of acid and it and it warps something essential in your brain. I think that the vision of, of Nixon and the Speedos did that to me. Like, it it, it, it just changed something in my DNA forever. And oh, okay. uh, uh, I'll never well, get it well, back. Well, give
2: us a, a time frame here. What year would this have been? Like
3: 1982, I think. Oh, so oh. would have
2: been out of office
3: for... Eight years? Eight years, yeah. He, he, he was very uh, old and fragile looking, especially in a Speedo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and what was Pat doing? Pat was mostly telling us that we weren't doing uh, very good jobs. Uh, she complained a lot. And um, at one point, we had planted um, white rhododendrons, and we had to dig them up and replant pink rhododendrons. Wow. One of my favorite books is Alice in Wonderland, and I was it recalled this, uh, you know, where the Red Queen demands that all the the flower, the white flowers, be painted red. Yeah, I I thought like, oh, Pat Nixon's my Red Queen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jay, listen, you've written for a lot of uh, genres, journalism and novels, TV, movies. Uh, ha- have you ever written for the theater? Are you also a playwright?
3: Oh, everything else is downstream of being a frustrated playwright. I'm, uh, I've written a lot of plays. I had. A couple produced off-off-Broadway in New York, very you know, small productions. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it, was great. it was a great experience, even though I wasn't able to make a living in the theater. I, it was just uh, fantastic to get the live theater experience. And, uh, and it's, it's interesting. There are a lot of comedy writers that come up in Hollywood who never have that experience. They're, they're all, they've written all their lives for TV or movies. And I just think that's invaluable to have that kind of interaction with the audience and
0: Yeah. uh, We asked this of our guests uh, on a number of occasions. It's always an interesting answer. If you weren't working in television and media as a writer, producer, and you didn't have this career going, what else in life would you have liked to have done given the opportunity? Um, Don't say (laughs) gardener.
3: No. No, I've already done that. (laughs) Yeah. I've, uh, I've done pretty much every job you can do, like crouching down in the dirt. I think like being a pilot would be really exciting. Really? Uh, Yeah.
0: Like flying, flying commercial jets, or being a being like an air force pilot.
3: Being like a John Travolta pilot where you just fly your own planes around. (laughs) Cool.
0: Arnold Palmer, John Travolta, all those guys had their own planes and flew them around. It's
3: just like, just the idea, there's something very romantic because air travel has become such a nightmare. There's something very romantic about the idea of just driving out to the airport and getting into a plane and flying off. Like, I want to go there. I'm going to go visit Gary and Betsy. Yeah. Uh, Just Drive right out to the the airport. Do you do you have you taken
0: uh, uh, flying lessons? You do you know how to operate an aircraft?
3: No, no, I, I oh, no, dear. I'd be terrified. Well, okay. I have no idea. Well, you've got a long way to go. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this, I see. Is, this is a uh, this is pie in the sky or you know flying the sky. I've taken
0: just enough flying lessons so that if the plane were going down and both the pilot and co-pilot and navigator became incapacitated and they came into the cabin and said, can anyone fly an airplane? I'd feel comfortable raising my hand because I, I I could probably <laughs> get it down. I don't really? know if I could actually get it up in the air, yeah really like yeah. a
3: seven forty seven or something like that you could you think you could uh you well could fly yeah
0: yeah it, maybe maybe not something quite that well, big. pardon
3: me, I have
2: to raise my hand
0: here. yes yes is this Roscoe. Is Roscoe this has a, tru- a question is this
2: a true story? It is a true story why have I not, I've known you for for nigh on forty years. And, and you've never flown with me? No. Oh. I heard you speak of taking flying lessons. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you keep many things close to your chest. So. I, I do. Jay, do you have, can I ask you about Heroes or... Gee, I wish I could write a play or a TV series as good as fill in the blank.
3: Oh, my God. I'm a big fan of, like, 90s HBO series, like uh, Sopranos and, mm. and The Wire. And, uh, I mean, those shows that... God, they were just so amazing because they were kind of Shakespearean in their breath and they were they're funny sometimes, and dark and tragic other times, and I guess those kind of like quintessential one-hour dramas. Madman, I was also a big fan of. So, mm-hmm. um, what got you interested
2: in this field? Did you just were you watching I Love Lucy one day and said, "Gee, I want to <laughs> I want to write comedy."
3: No, no that was funny. I I think, and this is true. I think of a, a lot of comedy writers I've met, is that None of them really enjoy watching comedy. That much. I think it, it, it's kind of like *Busman's Holiday*. You know, you don't want to like uh, you know, watch the thing that you you're always doing. Um, and and when I was a kid too, it was all dramas that I really loved. Like, you know, the the first *Star Trek* with uh, you know William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. Well,
0: whoa whoa, 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 whoa! The only *Star Trek*.
3: You okay, can, thank you, Gary. Let me thank
0: rephrase you. that. Thank you. Okay, proceed.
3: I I watched. I think there's only like, I don't know, like 60 episodes of that yeah. show yeah. or when it was canceled in yeah. the middle of the third season or something. Two and, and, and a half so seasons, yeah. I knew them all by heart and uh, look, still look forward to seeing, you know, Spock's brain for the third time. <laughs> I, just,
0: I just watched the one where they uh, try to court-martial uh, Captain Kirk because he jettisoned the ion pod too quickly, they say, oh, yeah, and he yeah. killed the guy, and it turns out that uh, Lieutenant Finney, who's the guy who's supposed to be dead, turns out not to be dead, and it was a huge yes. ruse on his part, and he reprogrammed the computer, and Spock finds out because he plays the computer in 3D chess, and he wins four games in a row, and then he runs and tells the, uh, the defense attorney You know, that that there's something wrong with someone's (laughs) someone's messed with the computer. Anyway, that's that's the plot. Speaking of writing. So somebody told me something about you that once upon a time you used to write scripts for phone sex.
3: Oh, my God.
0: Am I on the right track with this? And if and if this is true, first of all, wow. (laughs) Secondly, how does one research this kind of thing?
3: Well, this is embarrassing. I got into it just to make a living. The same reason I got into gardening for Nixon. And it's, I guess, equally pornographic.
0: By the way, a great Um, name for a play.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and it was just that there was this weird era where there were these, I forget the number, the prefix. There was this one prefix. I think it was 917 or something. People would call up. Sure. And there was this number. And there were lines for men and lines for women. It was just like the like forty second scripts of of someone being orgasmic, and that was it. And, and, it paid and you very had well.
0: you had to write these for the people on the phone. They weren't just making them up as they went. They they had to actually follow a script.
3: This was all recorded. This wasn't live phone sex. This oh, was like, this recorded. Was like, yeah. So people wow. would call up every day and listen. You know, listen to this like forty second, fifty second recording that would be written by some
0: aspiring comic writer (laughs) like yourself (laughs) did you ever throw in like bits of comedy stuff or were they were they well vetted so that you couldn't put in a you know something of your own
3: what i used to do to entertain myself because anyone who's written pornography knows that it's it's one of the most boring things ever you run (laughs) through your own fantasies in about half a day and then you're just (laughs) you're just desperately generating material and uh to entertain myself, I would do things like I would put all of Ibsen's play titles into, into one phone sex. <laughs> 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 to be like, come on over to my doll's house, <laughs> you and know, any of the people. And I'll show you a wild duck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Roscoe's great. I think you're, uh, you're perfect for this field of work. I, 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 I'll be your master builder. <laughs> yes, there you go, this is great See, stuff his, his his Ibsen's titles actually already sound vaguely pornographic, so <laughs> it, you're, it works well you're being an enemy of the people
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway,
2: I was talking to Pierre Ghent the other day, and he <laughs> told me to ask you about
3: <laughs> no he w- he asked me to show you his Pierre Gint. that's yes uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: excellent. This leads me to a good question. We ask this of our guests every once in a while too you You, you sound like you had. Probably a pretty interesting upbringing. Let me digress just a moment. Your your father, John Martell, uh, was a well-known uh, civil litigator in Los Angeles for many, many years. In fact...
3: Uh, San Francisco, yeah.
0: San Francisco, I, I beg your pardon. And In fact, didn't he uh, counsel Marsha Clark during the O.J. Simpson trial on some sort of jury selection procedures?
3: I think he offered his services to the uh, L.A. District Attorney's Office, but I... I I, I know he did it on the Menendez brothers case. Ah. Uh, not the, not the first one that ended up in a, in a hung jury, but the second one that ended up in conviction. He, he did some jury selection for the Menendez brothers trial, but I, I think he offered it to the OJ thing and gosh, I'm not sure exactly uh, if, if they took him up on it or not. Yeah. But
0: well, it's again, yes. it sounds like he had a fantastically interesting childhood with, with someone like that. He was, he's a novelist in his own right yes. as well. Yeah. Right? No,
3: my father's incredible. He's, Crazy. He was an Air Force pilot, then became this uh, trial lawyer who lost, I think, two cases his entire career. And then he became a. He wanted to be a rock star. That was his real thing. And he uh, performed under the name Joe Silverhound. And um, he started performing in nightclubs in San Francisco when I was a kid. And then at some point, he was in L.A. playing in a band called Joe Silverhound and his Magic Tooth uh, at the <laughs> Troubadour. He had like an, a, a you know a record deal offered to him, and then he just and then it was just like, uh, it's getting too crazy. And then he started writing novels. And you know, he's just like a, an insane overachiever. I, I've, I've spent my life trying to crawl out from under the shadow, <laughs> basically.
0: Well, I, in our book, you, you've succeeded magnificently. you oh, thank have nothing you so to much. be concerned about. So with that kind of interesting father and, and life growing up, what does someone like you, what did you pretend when you were a child? What was your favorite thing to pretend to be or, or
3: play? I was really into the show The Wild, Wild West. Uh, and uh, I loved pretending to be uh, James West, you know, because it was like a combination of sort of James Bond and the, and the Wild West. So he had like crazy inventions. Totally, and totally. So I would invent things with like household appliances and vegetable strainers and pretend they were like lethal objects and just like hours <laughs> of fun and just, just spinning out very, very elaborate scenarios.
0: Right, sort of yeah, writing yeah. a script in your head as it, as it all went along, right? Created, yeah. oh, creating yes. an Definitely. episode of your own, yeah.
3: At some, at some points in your childhood, it's all about avoiding reality of what the world is like <laughs> and what, and what's facing you. So I uh, had a very active fantasy life.
2: I sort of conflated Star Trek and Lost in Space.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: we would we would get in the garage and I would find spare tires and we would put them around on the floor and pretend that those were the tubes that could beam us up. And then uh-huh. we'd stand in the middle of the spare tires and I'd say, beam me up, Emily. And my little sister would pretend <laughs> to these turn these controls and then we would be in a different reality. Awesome. Yeah.
0: I never, that, I, I've known you nigh on no. 40 years and I never knew that you yeah. played Star Trek it, as a child.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I, I actually liked lost in space better because I wanted June Lockhart to be my mother.
3: You know, I had a I had a lot of nine year old contempt for Lost in Space. I thought it made a mockery of space. And Star Trek was really taking it seriously, but Lost in Space was like, you know, come on, guys, yeah, get in, it together.
2: Lost in Space came first. Well, yes, <laughs> yes. But I,
0: I, 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 but I don't think you can compare I, I, the two. I mean, science fiction no. was a big, uh, big genre. Oh back yeah, and yeah, you know, A lot of you know, Land of the Giants. Remember that show? Oh, that was incredible. Oh, yeah. I just
2: saw that's that's still on TV land.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Segway. Where Jay's show Teachers is currently on. You're the showrunner for that. And as we found out earlier, that means you run the show. I watched the pilot episode of that this morning, and it's hilarious. Tell us about these six women, these six women all named Kate.
3: Yes, Kate and Katie. Uh, also, to be clear... Both Key and Peele and this uh, teachers were run by both myself with Ian Roberts. Ian Roberts is a a collaborator that I've worked with for like more than a decade now. We've done a lot of things together, and running these shows is part of it. Yet, the Katie's are an improv group based in Chicago, actually. They come out of I.O.,
0: They were called they, uh, the Katie Dids, were they not? Yes, Was that the right, name of their the their late improv troupe? Uh, the yeah, six that's of right. Them? Yeah,
3: and they're all named either Kate or Katie or Caitlin and,
0: or Kate with a yeah. C or something like that. Yeah,
3: yeah. We're six uh, incredibly talented young women who uh, came up with this idea for a show, and uh, Ian and I came on to uh, to help put it together. That we're now on our second season, which is uh, an incredible twenty episodes, which. For cable TV is immense, just working around the clock to uh, to write scripts and shoot them. I, I mean, you probably literally are working around the clock. When do you have to have these 20 shows in the can? The first 10 uh, of the season premiere in January, and then the second 10, will. they're dividing them up. So they'll be on kind of later in the year once we get them done. It's a good experience. Like the world of teachers is is very rich, you know, with comedy potential. It's, it's, uh, we've had a lot of fun.
0: Oh, it's great. They all, they all teach in a grammar school. What, what's the grammar school called?
3: Fillmore Elementary. Fillmore Elementary. Fillmore, <laughs> Fillmore Elementary. Fillmore Ele- <laughs> yes, I, do. Elementary. I don't
0: know. When they first said it, I, I, laughed, I laughed hysterically. I don't know why that name is so funny, but it just seemed funny to me. Um, but it's a great, great show. You should be really proud of it, and I can't wait oh, to see you. more and more episodes.
2: Uh, and I, I'm going to throw in something here. I knew Ian Roberts 20 years ago in Chicago because oh, really? I, I was at I.O. the same time he was. Oh,
0: okay. And
2: he was in a team called The Family. Which mm-hmm. later m- morphed into the Upright Citizens Brigade, right. but it was Ian and um, I'm blanking. Adam McKay. Adam McKay, who just won an Academy Award. Didn't yeah. he direct Matt your Besser? troop? Wouldn't he directed Adam, my troop.
0: Yeah, Adam McKay. Adam yeah.
2: McKay. And we had oh, a, really yeah. And it was a time when all of all of the teams were named. It was based on Reservoir Dogs, so it was Mr. Red, Mr. Blue, Mr. Mr. Yellow, Pink, Mr. Pink. Yeah, I yeah. think I was in Mr. Red, and the guy from the middle. Oh, Neil, start, Flynn. Yeah. Neil Flynn. Yeah. So we were all there. So say hello to Ian for me. And he will remember me eventually, I'm sure.
3: I don't realize how old I am and how much history is behind me. And it's so funny, like when you meet, when you remember someone that you worked with in your 20s, it's like, oh, that, wait, that was that 30 years ago? <laughs> no. Yes, yes no. it was. That's
0: <laughs> so yes. incredible. Jay, I wanted to ask you one quick question about your Jeb Bush encounter. Oh, dear. Did you actually confront him uh, about uh, Florida's death penalty program somewhere?
3: Yeah, well, what happened was um, I was a correspondent on this Michael Moore show called The Awful Truth. Mm -hmm. I I was doing this segment in which um, it was our commentary basically on the death penalty. And at the time, George W. Bush was the governor of Texas and Jeb Bush was the governor of Florida. And they were both executing prisoners at an astonishing rate, a historical rate we were going to do a segment in which I was like a fan of the death penalty the, the way someone is a fan of any sport like football. Mm. And I was going to, um, ru- I was initially rooting for Texas because Texas, you know, is like the, the, the sort of Dallas Cowboys of, of the death penalty. I see. And um, we took cheerleaders there and <laughs> to, to, a, to an execution. And it was very dark. Um, and then at some point during the segment, I got disillusioned with the Texas program and I, I wanted to help Florida. The problem was that Florida had an electric chair while Jeb Bush was uh, governor there and they were executing people in an electric chair. And it, the chair was malfunctioning so that they could Jeb couldn't execute the number of people he wanted. So I was going to try to get the program back on track. So in the segment, I go there to talk to Jeb Bush, to talk to him about his death penalty program and how we're going to get it going so it could be competitive with his brother's program. I walked into the rotunda of the Capitol. Jeb, Jeb Bush was having a press conference. And before the press conference began, I just walked up to him and I said, look, you're having problems with your death penalty program and your brother's you know, beating the pants off you. Let's, let, how, how can we get this back on track? At about that point, a security guard It it seemed like it was maybe a former Navy SEAL, huge (laughs) guy, Hmm. just picked me up and walked out of the Capitol with me. (laughs) He picked me up with another guy. They called me out, stuck me in a police car. I thought I was being arrested, and um, they they actually got this all on camera. So it was great for the segment, but they didn't arrest me. They just sort of drove me off the Capitol grounds and then let Hmm. me go Hmm. and said, don't come back. (laughs)
0: What a fantastic Um, story. (laughs) But it was terrifying. I I Um, love the cheerleaders, however, the cheerleaders in Texas. That's inspired.
3: It was amazing guerrilla theater in the sense that when they started the cheers, there was a huge contingent there supporting the death penalty and supporting the execution. So when the cheers started, everyone was into it. It It's like, let them fry, let them fry, you know, hang them high, you know, whatever. They were cheering. They were like cheering along. And then at some point, They got the idea that, oh, wait, this is (laughs) this is a comment on what's going on. (laughs) And a chill ran through the crowd and suddenly they turned on the cheerleaders and we had to run out of there very quickly. Satire
0: (laughs) is not big in Texas.
3: Longhorns Uh, don't don't like being teased.
0: No, no. Well, Jay, it's been great to have you on the program. Stick around for just a few minutes. We usually end our uh, podcast with our kiss of death segment, um, which is always a, thank you, uh, always a a tribute to the life of someone who has recently passed. Sometimes they're very famous. Sometimes they're not famous at all. They just might be regular, ordinary people. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Chess Records boss who spread the blues, Phil Chess was a Polish-Jewish immigrant who helped introduce the world to African-American blues, R&B, rock and roll uh, with his uh, elder brother Leonard. He founded Chess Records, the Chicago label that turned out seminal cuts like, well, Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good," Etta James' At Last, that's a great record, Uh, Muddy Waters' Hoochie Coochie Man and Bo Diddley's Who Do You Love, the soulful sounds flowing out of the company's studios inspired generations of musicians, including the Rolling Stones and uh, the likes of, like, Led Zeppelin. Uh, Yet, remarkably, neither Chess Brother had any musical training if you, got, if you put a musical scale on the wall and asked me which one was Doe, Ray, or me, I couldn't tell you, and neither could Leonard, he said. And motioning to his ear, he added, this could tell you, that's what told us. He was born uh, Fizel Chez, C-Z-Y-Z, changed his name to Chess, C-H-E-S-S, in a Polish village without running water or electricity and life on the shtetl, Chess said was, quote, blues all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That was the first, uh, the working title for Fiddler on the Roof, I believe. (laughs) Blues
2: all the time, or (laughs) Fiddler on the Roof.
0: I think they had to change it in previews for some reason. Well, he moved to Chicago in 1928 with his brother and mother, reuniting with his father, who had already uh, immigrated to the U.S. and ran a junkyard business, and Chess briefly attended Bowling Green University on a football scholarship, and he served in uh, in the army, in, in World War II, and then he and his brother opened El Mocambo, not the famous uh, club on the on the West Coast, but something here it was a South Side eatery that they converted into an after-hours jazz club. Well back in the in the 40s, in 47, the brothers um, bought into Aristocratic Records, eventually taking over the label and renaming it Chess. Chess Records. Their first release was 1950's My Foolish Heart by the jazz saxophonist G. Amons, and the second was Muddy Waters' Rolling Stone. Twelve years later, in London, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and Brian Jones would name their brand new band after that record. Oh, my gosh. That's that's unbelievable. Uh, Phil Chess was the quieter of the brothers. Late in life, Chess reflected on the art form he'd done so much to popularize, and he said, the story of the blues is you tell your feelings. The blues is what comes from your heart. You don't care if you're black, white, green, or yellow. I don't know. I don't know where the green part came in. Uh, (laughs) Phil Chess was 95 years old and ran chess records for many years. Are you a blues fan, Jay? You strike I me am. as a jazz and blues guy.
3: I am. I, I love music. I love all kinds of music. Yeah. Uh, and that guy was... Uh He was living history.
0: (laughs) I, I, I want to remind our listeners that we are appearing as Booth One at the Chicago, the first annual, I should say, Chicago Podcast Festival on Saturday, November 19th at 10 p.m. We will be in the 1700 Theater at the famous Steppenwolf Theater. And our guest will be, I don't know if you know this, Jay, but our guest is going to be IO founder and proprietor Sharna Halpern. Wow. You should come. You should.
3: Uh, I'll, I'll you be should there. I'll fly my jet le- Learn
0: there. to fly. Buy yeah, a plane. <laughs> come out uh, on November nineteenth and and see our show at ten p.m. You can go to chicago dot org. The whole thing spelled out for tickets, or you can go to Steppenwolf uh, or you can call them at their box office at three one two three three five one six five zero. Tickets are only fifty dollars. Yeah. Sorry. Tickets are only $20. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: like $50. That's say, on StubHub. Holy As you said, oh, that's StubHub, the you know, they're, StubHub. Really,
0: they're really selling really well. I mean, it was either do you go to the Cubs game or do you come to us at the Chicago <laughs> Podcast Festival? You know, you only have so much money. World
2: Series, Roscoe and Gary.
0: Well, Jay Martel, it's been an absolute joy and an honor to have you on the show. Congratulations again on your Emmy Award. Best of luck with teachers. Uh, You can tune into that on TV land. We uh, so enjoyed having you.
3: Oh, thank you so much. I I love the show and it's great to be part of it. Super. Well, great. Thank you. This is Roscoe signing off.
0: This is Gary Zabinski saying uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, email us at alist at booth-one.com. And uh, for Booth One, keep listening and take care until next time.